deserves and needs the very best. The best thinkers, the best employees, the best bosses, the best voices in our community. And there are seven pillars of society. There's arts and uh, entertainment, business, education, family, government, media, and religion. And our society needs strong, godly people in all spheres and all sectors of society. And you know, Proverbs 14, I love this, I love this scripture. Proverbs 14 tells us that the fear of God, listen to this and let it, like, let it sink in. The fear of God makes a world safe for your children. A God devotion makes a country strong. In order for our nation and the nations of the world to be strong, secure, and present the kind of future we want for our children, they need to be governed and influenced by people who have a devotion to God. That's massive, that's important, and we cannot be pacified by life Monday to Friday and forget that. We cannot forget that. We must fight for the standard of God to be supreme in our culture. We live right now in a day where there are very many convincing, persuasive, intelligent voices. And the only problem I have with that is that there doesn't seem to be enough Christian voices bringing an alternative perspective. Where are they all? Where are they all? I beg to argue that they're sitting in churches complacent and forgetting the gift of God that is dormant on the inside of their lives. That's where they are. In the meantime, we have this crazy humanistic voice that's being shouted through the media and the Christians are defending every other thing except the cross. The very purpose that they still exist is dormant on the inside of them. We live in a day where we need to rise up, defend our faith, the cross, and all it stands for. If you and I believe that Jesus actually is the answer, that the cross actually did make all things right, that he is a God of love, that he is a God of peace, that he is a God of breakthrough, that he's the answer to our world, then we need to rise up be excellent at what we do, and bring Jesus to this crazy humanistic culture that we find ourselves in right now. The why behind the what. We need politicians, journalists, entrepreneurs, teachers, scientists, psychologists, actors, writers, singers, judges, lawyers, doctors, specialists, designers, pharmacists, inventors, mothers, fathers, lecturers, researchers, Commentators, senators, ministers, prime ministers, policy writers, brokers, athletes, managers, chartered accountants, CEOs, directors, investors, and all sorts of people who, like Proverbs 31, have a devotion to God and will make a country strong. I'm glad one person's excited. (laughs) You know, unlike everything else, we are not carrying a nice idea or an ideology. We're carrying a living, breathing God. That's what we bring. We bring an answer. 
as a church, we're called to bring Jesus. And in the opening pages, you might have read, read um, Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life. An amazing book. If you have not read that, you're missing out. You must read Purpose Driven Life. It is one of the top-selling Christian books in um, the church, but also secular world. It's just absolutely gone crazy, um, and it's an amazing book for tapping into your purpose, the reason you exist. Purpose Driven Life by Bill Hybe, uh, what's his name? Rick Warren. And he says this, a few statements in the opening pages, to live a life of purpose is the ultimate life to live. And this one's a clincher. Being successful and fulfilling your life's purpose are not all the same issue. Being successful and living your purpose is not the same thing. Because I know a lot of people who are successful, but they're not satisfied. I know a lot of people who make great money and they're really discontent with life. I know a lot of people who are profiled and doing exceptionally well and they are just miserable with life. There's a big, there can be a big difference between the two. We have to find our purpose. We have to find our purpose. Success does not bring satisfaction. And passion comes from purpose. When you live with purpose, getting out of bed is no longer a difficult thing. You don't have to wind yourself up every morning. When you know the why behind your what, you get up and you're excited for your day. You carry your why into every moment, into every encounter. You become the kind of employee who leaves a legacy because they know their why. They know their why. And while some people will continue to wake up to an alarm clock, others wake up to a calling. If success is the what, purpose is the why. If career is the what, purpose is the why. When you know your purpose, you won't be distracted by something you weren't designed to do. You and I must be clear on the why. Why do you do what you do? Why do you study hard if you're studying? Why do you work hard? Why are you excellent at what you do? Why qualify yourself and skill yourself? What's the why behind the what? In 1 Kings 3, God appears to a young man named Solomon. Solomon is King David's son, and he's just been given the whole kingdom. And Solomon was only about 20 years old. And God appears to him, and he says, Solomon, what can I grant you? Ask for anything, and I'll grant it to you. And Solomon could have asked for anything, but he asks for wisdom. He asks for wisdom to rule well. He wants to clearly see the purpose of his role, and he wants to understand the why behind every what in his role. And I want you to have have a look at what he says in 1 Kings 3. And now here I am, God, my God. You have made me your servant, ruler of the kingdom of God, in place of David, my father. I'm too young for this, a mere child. I don't know the ropes. I hardly know the ins and outs of this job. And here I am, set down in the middle of a people you've chosen, a great people, far too many to ever count. 
Here's what I want. Give me a God-listening heart so I can lead your people well, discerning the difference between good and evil. It's actually amazing. It's so incredible. He, at the very start of his life, decides, I want wisdom. I love that term, a God-listening heart. Because in the chaos of life, we stop listening to the still, small voice. We get, it gets drowned out by all the other voices, the conspiracy of noise that wants to silence the voice of God in your life, that wants to drown out the voice of God, the voice of passion, the voice of calling, the voice of dream, the conspiracy of noise that wants to snuff out the voice of God in your life. And he's saying, God, give me a God-listening heart. I know that if I have wisdom and if I listen, I'll do this role well. I'll fulfill my purpose. I know if I can hear you, God, and if I'm obedient, I won't miss the mark. And so as a young man, he's asking for discernment and good judgment. He wants clarity. And listen to God's response in verse 10. God, the master, was delighted with Solomon's response. And God said to him, because you have asked for this and haven't grasped after a long life or riches or the doom of your enemies, but you have asked for the ability to lead and govern well, I'll give you what you've asked for. I'm giving you a wise and mature heart. So you know what? He didn't start out with a wise heart. He asked for it and God gave it to him. That should give some of you a whole lot of confidence right now. God is faithful to give us the things that are godly which we ask for. He continues and he says, there's never been one like you before and there'll never be anyone after. As a bonus, I'm giving you both the wealth and the glory you didn't ask for. There is not a king anywhere who will come up to your mark and if you stay on course, keeping your eye on the life map and on the God signs, as your father David did, I'll also give you a long life. Yes, influence, success, fame, wealth may come of it, but they should never, ever become our motivation. If that's your motivation and you sit with someone like Dylan, you will not get the job. But if you have a motivation to bring influence for good, that's the kind of people that our world needs, that our communities need. In Psalm 72, um, it's actually a passage of scripture written by Solomon, not David. And in Psalm 72, Solomon is writing really awkwardly about himself in third person. But we read it and we see actually his motivation. In verse, in verse 12, he says, He, the king, will rescue the poor when they cry to him. He will help the, the oppressed who will have no one to defend them. He feels pity for the weak and the needy, and he will rescue them. He will redeem them from the oppression and the violence, for their lives are precious to him. The purpose of influence is to make the world better. That's the why. It's so simple. Is your life counting towards that cause? Making the world better. No matter what it is you're going to wake up and walk into tomorrow, are you achieving that? Is your life standing for that? Are you using your presence for good to make the world better? You know what? You can't keep yourself happy by trying to keep yourself happy. You can't. It's actually impossible. 
It's insatiable. It is never satisfied. Self is never, ever satisfied. And actually, the more you feed that ugly thing, the hungrier and more dominating it becomes. But give your life away and you'll find satisfaction, you'll find purpose, you'll find influence, you'll find favor with God and man. Um, even Jesus, Mark 10, 45, says that the Son of God did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And you know what? It was Bruce. It was a man named Bruce who was a carpenter in my home when I was a teenage girl of a newly broken home. And he was doing renovations so that my mum could fit us kids into a tiny little house. And she asked him in her brokenness, what is that tune you're humming? And he came down off his stepladder and started singing the words to the tune. And it was a worship song. And in my very own lounge room, he sat on the couch with my mum and led her back to her saving grace. What's the why? What's the why? And when you see the answer present itself and the opportunity to present itself, do you step down off your stepladder and seize that moment? because our days are littered with moments. So the reason you're still breathing this morning is because God is designing appointments for you today. What's the why? What's the why behind your what? No matter who you are and what you walk into, will you be diligent with that why? If you look past the end of your own nose, you're gonna hit the mark. Some of you may know um, Romy Stewart. Romy runs our kids' ministry downstairs with Ben and an amazing team. I met Romy when she was in grade nine. And I started a life group with her and her best friend, and the life group started to grow. But one of the first things that I asked these two girls was, what is it that you want to be when you grow up? They're in grade nine. They're 14 years old. And Romy's response to me was, I want to be a millionaire. I said to her, that's awesome. I'll keep you accountable to that. We need millionaires in the house of God. If, and can I just on a side note, if there's anyone here wrestling with their calling, is, am I meant to be a minister? I feel like I need to be a ministry to make a difference, but I don't feel like that's my gift set. Do you know that there are two, two options and there's this concept called kings and priests. And the kingdom of God needs both. And if you look through the scripture, there are kings, people in business, people in finance, and there are priests, people who bring the gospel, people who build the house, people who introduce salvation through the house, right? Kings and priests, and they always work together because the house of God is expensive to run. The purposes and plans of God are expensive. Hello? And there are some people who switch onto their gift as a king and they know their why is to absolutely kill it in the business world so they can bring finance into the kingdom. And so I'm like, great, you want to be a millionaire? I am so keen to raise up my first millionaire. I'm going to hold you accountable to that right through high school and university. And so, you know, over the following years, I just, you know, would speak into their lives every single Friday. Oh my Lord, if you've ever sat with a group of teenage girls for more than five minutes, <laughs> you can probably imagine what my weekly meeting looked like with them. It's like herding cats. 
But over the years, I encouraged her gifts. I encouraged her. I pushed her. Be excellent. Be excellent. Be excellent. Don't be mediocre. Be excellent. And she went through school. In that time, she would come every week to Life Group on Friday. She started serving on a Friday night in youth. Um, and then when she graduated uni, uh, graduated high school, she started her own teenage life group, herding her own group of cats. And then um, she became one of our leaders, and she oversaw 38 life groups in our youth ministry, all the training for those life group leaders, all of that sort of thing. And what she would do is every time we had an amplified event she would um, mobilize those 38 life groups to hand out flyers, to letterbox drop flyers, 3,000 homes every time an Amplified was on. She personally committed to delivering 1,200 of those by foot herself. She um, ran dance troops in church, which she does now. She straightened chairs every Friday night every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, she went into uni. And in uni, she decided to study law, international relations, and Spanish. A six-year course. About halfway through year three, I remember, she came to me, she's like, oh, I can't do this, this is so hard. I'm, you know, sensing that maybe I'm meant to be a teacher because in that time she was also tutoring children in school and doing really well at that. I love that. I, I enjoy that. I'm passionate about that. I can see myself making a difference there. So is that wrong? I said to her, Romy, God did not put that brain in your head for any other reason but to change the whole world. You need to stay in law. You need to stay what you're doing. As much as you hate it, you will not regret it. When you finish, if you want to go back to teaching, do it, but you need to finish this. And anyway, I remember she wrote me this email shortly after that. And... Um, and she explained her frustration as she's studying international relations because she would sit in church and she would hear us talk about the why behind the what. She would hear us talk about that every single person matters. She would hear Pastor Lee Ramsey then as Lee started her work in Cambodia in the She Rescue Home, rescuing young girls out of the sex slave industry. And she's reading and learning about international relations, about international law, and she's listening to us and she's realizing there's a huge disparity between these NGOs like ours who rescue these girls and actually the laws that don't protect them at all. In many cases, the laws protect the perpetrator and the corruption and all that sort of thing. And she wrote me this email because the penny dropped. I'm going to rewrite international policy. The why behind the what, finally. But do you know what? It was in straightening chairs. It was in tutoring six-year-olds. It was in letterbox drops. It was in dance troops and dance rehearsals that she built this slow foundation, understanding how powerful a why is. Why is a flyer, one of 3,000 flyers, why is that one flyer so important? Because that teenager, it might be that teenager who comes and hears the gospel. It might be that one and hope for every single next flyer. The why behind the what. And she said to me this statement, I finally understand that every one matters. 
everyone matters. Whether it's in the youth ministry, whether it's in the community, whether it's in church on a Sunday, whether it's in a lecture or a tutorial, whether it's in a rescue home, whether it's in the kids' ministry, she realized everyone matters. And the why behind everything she does is always someone else. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. I need to tell you, Romy sat her last exam on Wednesday. Six years. Six years, and she aced it. I mean, she was a top of her class in many of her subjects. She aced it. She's looking after your children and my children because they matter. I'm sure she's got two extra days in her week than anyone else I know. She's studying that, she's running a ministry, she's volunteering all over the place, pro bono work, all sorts of things. She um, is working in a law firm. Amazing. And I'm not saying this because I want to push you to do more, but I want you to understand, you need to get a revelation of the capacity God ordained for you. Your God capacity is enormous. Enormous. Stop excusing yourself and living a mediocre life. The reason he has you here still is to bring influence and to bring change. Rise up, dream. Bring influence, bring change. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said this, while women weep as they do now, I'll fight. While children go hungry as they do now, I'll fight. While men go to prison in and out, in and out as they do now, I'll fight. While there is a drunkard left, while there is a poor lost girl upon the streets, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight. I'll fight to the very end. What's your why? Can I dob on you? (laughs) Alicia's just woken up to her why. She's going to do fashion, styling. And just last week, for the first time, volunteered in an organization called Dress for Success, where they dress refugees, women, underprivileged women, for job interviews. It's a service where these women come in in their saris and their burkas. They don't even know what size shoe they are because they've never had the opportunity to buy a pair of shoes for themselves. And these women come from broken backgrounds. And I remember Alicia saying, you know, when I first, sort of when this light bulb went on about I'm good at fashion and I'm passionate about it, I never realized God would lead me here. And she's dressing these women and seeing their brokenness turn into hope when they look at themselves in the mirror and they're proud of what they see and she's able to touch them, she's able to love on them, it doesn't matter what you do because the truth is God wants us in all spheres, in every sphere, but are you bringing the why to your world? Are you bringing the why? I'd love for you just to bow your heads this morning and have a think about that. I want to ask you, what is your why? And I would love for you this week to answer that. What is your why? 
What is the why behind what you do? Wherever you find yourself in the week, whoever you find yourself with. And I, I realize your employer may not be a Christian like Dylan is. But if you are the person who lives with a why burning in the forefront of your vision, then you will be the employee that is the prized employee. You will be valuable to that organization and you'll change the world you live in. You'll be that model student, you'll be that model parent, you'll be that model employee. If you allow the why to burn in the forefront of your mind every morning that you wake up, when you eat your breakfast, when you jump in the car, when you get on the train and you go to where you're going, remember your why. Remember the appointments that heaven is designing for you. Don't ever, ever forget the fact that heaven in the background is moving heaven and hell to get someone across your path. The kind of things that the angels have to do to bring that person to you. That's your why. That's your assignment. In Romans 1, Paul said this, I'm a devoted slave of Jesus Christ on assignment. What's your assignment? What's your assignment? That's where you'll find purpose. That's where you'll live in the land of the dreamer every day of the week. And that's where we can turn our communities into actually the land of the dreamer, the ultimate dreamer, Jesus Christ, who came to make all things right. If every Christian would rise up and be the influence that God has appointed and ordained for them, this would be the land of the dreamer, the God dreamer, Jesus. What does he see and what does he want? If we would all commit to that, we would see it come to pass. What is your why this week? What is your why? And right across this room, maybe you're here this morning and I realize, and I, I guess I'm sorry, I realize this is a really, really heavy message. I just want to encourage you and say, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know God, you're not in a relationship with him where you know you're in step with the purpose he has for your life, I want you to know there is a massive burning why for you. There's a reason for you. There's a purpose for you. And I know because I was in your shoes once that, you know, I can try and fill that void with every kind of thing and come up unsatisfied. And I can tell you from experience that it was only when I tapped into the presence and the love of God that I was able to find the peace and satisfaction I was trying to find in everything else. And if that's you, I pray this morning you would hear my heart and you would know God loves you. His heart is for you. He's not mad at you. He is not mad at you. And if you want to respond this morning to him and to his love, you want to come into a knowledge of who he is, receive forgiveness and receive grace for the future, I'd love for you to raise your hand so I know who to pray with as I look across this morning. If that's you, give me a wave. I look across. Anyone like that here? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for those, those ones who have responded this morning, that you do have a plan for their lives. Lord God, that you created them perfectly and individually. Lord Jesus, your whisper is on their lives. Father, you're constantly drawing them closer to you. 
Father, I thank you for the future they have in you, Lord, both this side of eternity and the other side. Lord God, I thank you for your protection around about their lives. Father, I pray that you would speak strategy and you would speak conviction and you would speak um, commitment into their hearts this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Let's give them a round of applause. Well done. Amen. Awesome, awesome. Well, why don't you stand to your feet? I saw your hands. Come and say hi after, yeah? Let's have a chat. Um, but church, this week, will you establish the why in your life? Live in the land of the dreamer tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and come back inspired because your life is making a difference. Amen? Yeah. We're going to go out praising God. Come back tonight. Hear Sam. Bring the next installment. We love you, church. Yeah.